You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. What I want to do tonight is minister to you in two ways. Um, one, I, you know, I, I really wanted to take Wednesday to minister, minister to you personally, but then I also wanted to give you a, kind of a, a part two, if I could preach a part two to the message that I did on Sunday. Um, I believe this will be my part two for our vision of the year. And I think you can take it both personal and, and with big picture vision um, as a church. So let's talk about expectation. In fact, what I want to talk to you about tonight is what is your expectation level? Um, if you could just tell me what your expectation level is from one to ten. I just wonder where you set at tonight. And uh, this could be your expectation level maybe for your job or maybe it's for your relationships uh, maybe it's for your family or your kids. Maybe it's your, for your finances. We all have an expectation level in each of those areas. And what I did is I hope you got a note-taking sheet on your way in uh, because I, we, we, we drew this out. We drew this scale out for you. And I just wonder, just in general, just in a general category, where do you fall on this level? To help you kind of circle or mark a point, um, I'll tell you what, if you're at number 10, Number 10 just means you're just full of hope and you're full of expectancy. You're just like, you're just, you know, you're like right on the brink of a miracle. Like you're ready for God to move. You're looking forward. Like it's, it's an exciting time. If you're at number one, things are probably looking not so hot. They're falling apart. Uh, maybe it's something like your kids don't even talk to you anymore. or You're in a mountain of debt or your relationship. You just don't think things are going to work. If you're at a number one, you're just terrified of what tomorrow looks like. Um, now, I think a lot of us probably fall in the middle here at number five uh, or, or in between. Um, at number five, you just kind of feel like, well, my life is just kind of as good as it gets. Um, it's not getting any better, but it's also not getting any worse. So you're just kind of happily floating just right in the middle. What is your expectation level for your life? Uh, I, I ask you that question because what I want to talk to you about tonight is hope. And uh, hope is an important part and an important idea that we study in Scripture. Um, and it centers around the idea of expectation. Like hopes and expectation can honestly be almost the, the same thing. And tonight, uh, what I want to do is I want you to answer this question. And I want you to have this in the background as I talk to you. Uh, because tonight I want to I do a study out of the book of Acts. Um, Acts chapter 12 is where we're going to be if you brought your Bibles tonight. In fact, uh, I, I, I could tell you story after story about how much the book of Acts has meant to us as a young church. And I told you on Sunday that that was the first thing we did, uh, that before we ever launched the church, we went through the book of Acts and outlined the book of Acts and studied how the first church did it. Because, by the way... Um, the first church did a lot of things right, <laughs> and a lot of things that we can learn from. And, uh, and that was something that we just discovered uh, when we went through the book of Acts, is that, you know, churches used to do things like this, but now they've kind of stepped away from it. And why did they step away? And we want to make a church that looks like the book of Acts. We want, to, we want it to look like the church that had passion, that was on fire for God. I, there was just so much that we learned studying uh, from the book of Acts. But the early church did this, uh, and with this, they, 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 as, as they study, or as, as we're talking about the book of Acts here, we see that something major happens, 
And the early church comes up with this hopeless situation, meaning that their expectation level now is beginning to lower. And so something happens. Look at what Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, it says this. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some of those who belonged to the church, who were Christ followers, intending he wanted to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So he's, he's killed one of them. And when he saw that this met with the approval from the Jews, which, by the way, this is this, this small, basically we're looking at a small, small, small church plant here of people who are following Jesus. And the rest of the, the, the vast majority of the people around are the Jewish people who hate Jesus. And so when Herod kills a Christian, all of a sudden the Jewish people are like, ha, ah, yeah, Herod, you're, you're number one. You're my king. Yeah, you're awesome. And, uh, and he... And this is what happened. Herod sees this, and, and he wanted to kill Peter as well. He wanted to seize Peter as well. And it says this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Now, this is not normal, four squads of four soldiers. Herod was literally, he, he, was, he was not letting Paul get out this time. Like Paul had already been arrested, he had gotten out. And what he wanted to do was bring Paul out and kill him because it was going to please the, the crowd of people that were around him. What Herod needed to do is he saw, he, he needed the Christian, Herod needed to stop the Christian movement. He wanted to totally stop the Christian movement and give, and, and, Honestly, what he was trying to do here was he was trying to crush anything before something major happened. I think Herod knew that something big was going to happen. And what we see here, and uh, what I want to do is I want to set the stage for you where we're at. Because what's happening here is the church, before, before this time, before we read in Acts chapter 12, the church had just exploded. I mean, huge things have been happening. The church was full of passion. In fact, we read about a day called Pentecost where the Holy Spirit, literally descends on people. And, and they began, there's, that, in that very same day, literally there's 3,000 people who end up coming to faith in one single day. Can you imagine preaching a message and 3,000 people getting saved? I, yeah, I, it, it, absolutely incredible. And not only that, but then after this, miracles begin to happen. There, there's a story about how these guys go out and they heal this beggar and, and they, they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And this guy walks and these amazing miracles begin to happen. And then we get, we t there's a story about this guy named Stephen. And Stephen was a rising star in the church. He was a rising Christian, and he was filled with faith and passion and optimism and spiritual gifts. He was the superstar of the Christian faith. And before he's ever really able to get started and do something great for God, the Jews find him and stone him to death. And so there's these big things happening, but then their hopes and their dreams are getting crushed. What started as something so hopeful and something so exciting, now Stephen is dead. James, the brother of John, who, I, the brother of John, uh, James, the brother of John, is the, is the John who wrote the book of Revelation. His brother is killed. And now Herod, he has Peter in prison. And so the pillar, literally Peter, who was known as the rock of the church, the pillar of the church is now imprisoned and it looks like that this Jesus movement, that before it's even gotten really started, it's already getting put down. And there's not a lot of hope 
found in this. And this is where the church finds itself. That early on in their movement, with the hope uh, just about totally snuffed out. And you know, I love this story, and I love to look at it in this way, because for many of us, that's where we are. In fact, I'll say it like this, that life just has a way of lowering your expectations. You just, and, and, and many of us, we've, we've found that out. That, man, we had high expectations for something, but then it all comes crumbling down. And this is where the first church was. They had these high ex- I mean, can you imagine preaching a message? It's saving 3,000 people, and now people are dead and in prison, and I, that's where they are. Life was just lowering their expectations, and I feel like that applies to so many of us. We, we do things, and we think that we have things all figured out, but life just has a way of lowering our expectations. You know, one of the ways that I can show this to you is, uh, is if, if you've ever... If you ever had kids or if you ever were a kid. So this applies to everyone. (laughs) Uh, Have you noticed that kids start off with this natural like optimism and hope and like expectancy for the future? Like you just ask a little kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And whether they say they want to be an astronaut or a garbage man, they are passionate about it. You know what I'm talking about? Like they are excited about it. And they just have this optimism that no matter what, nothing is going to stand in the way for me, for me getting to that point. And what I love is that every time around uh, a, a birthday or a Christmas, and I, I love birthdays and Christmases, everyone. Yeah, you know. And my wife even had it really good when she was growing up. I never heard of this, but she celebrated half birthdays. Yeah, every six months she'd get a gift. I made sure to tell her when when we got married that that is not a tradition. You know, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not getting you a gift every six months. I know, boo, everybody said, I just, we celebrate one, you got one day a year. That's that's good enough. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, But every time, like for your birthday, you ever just make like a list for your birthday? Like you just, you just write it out. Like I, this, is, this is what I want, for, list for your birthday or Christmas. And, uh, and I, used to, I used to make a list and, you know, I used to make this, these long lists, detailed lists. And uh, every once in a while, I just kind of leave it around the house randomly, just hoping that someone would pick it up. You know, like the Lord, like just praying, intercessing to the Lord, right? And you know, like, Lord, just let someone find this list. And uh, luckily, a lot of the times they found the list, and, and it was just everything that I had hopes for and all that I had dreams. And it was just basically like wrote, hello, person reading this. This is what I would like. And uh, I just wish, I was just wishing for someone to find it. And, uh, you know, as you grow up, you kind of got good at it too. Like, like you know, you're still, you're still kind of optimistic about it. You're excited about it. In fact, Elizabeth it is, used to be so excited about it that Elizabeth, my sister, used to literally make PowerPoint presentations for Christmas. <laughs> Still does, right? Yeah, last year. Here is what I would like, and this is why I would like it. And here, you know, next slide, please. I think she got it from me. And uh, <laughs> love me a good PowerPoint, you know. And, uh, and that's, that's what she would literally make, slideshow presentations. And, and I love it. I mean, don't you just love, like, the optimism that that has? Like, the, like, there is some sort of expectancy there that things are just going to work out, you know? Like, it's just, we're just, yeah, we're going to get this. This is what we're going to get for a birthday or Christmas. And, and that things are just going to go the way that we want them to go. And we just have this expectancy. But how many of you know 
that you just get a little older every single day. Some of y'all are feeling it tonight. You know, I'm getting a little older and you're like, Pastor, no, it's 7.32, I go to bed at eight. And uh, <laughs> if what happens, what, what, what happens when we get older? We experience some disappointment, right? And, and we find th- that things don't always work out the way that we wanted them to work out. And maybe for some of us, it was, it was a business dream that we had that we were so excited about, but it just didn't work out. Or maybe it was a marriage that we were excited about and things just didn't work out. Or maybe it was, we thought raising kids was going to be this exciting thing, but we found out that it just didn't really work out either. We thought going to school, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> some of y'all have worked out great. Me and Emily are waiting to experience that as long as we can. And uh, <laughs> anyway, Emily says, you cannot tell people that you don't like kids from the stage all the time because they're going to think that you're just, you just hate kids. And now uh, I'm like, I don't hate kids. I just don't want any of my own yet. And uh, no problem. Yeah, for all of you that ask all the time, and then you think you can just go to Emily and ask, and she's going to give you a different answer. I promise you, if she gives you a different answer, me and her be going to have a big talk. You know, like, we're, we just, anyway. <laughs> Maybe you raise kids. They didn't turn out the way you want. You know, and uh, <laughs> back to the Back to what we were talking about. But you had this optimism, right? You had this optimism about life. You were excited about life. You were like, yeah, I, I, I wanted to do this business thing, but it just didn't quite work out. Life has a way of lowering our expectations. And maybe, um, maybe you had some high hopes and, uh, and you, had some, you, had some, you had some big dreams. But over time, now you've sat in the seat tonight and you're like, man, my expectation level has really dropped. Maybe you started at like an eight or a nine, but now you're down to like barely a, a two or a three, and it's much harder to get your hopes up. And I think we see this everywhere. In fact, it's just kind of our human nature, and I think we can, we can see it uh, in the, and in, in we see it in other people's lives. We see it in stories. I was just thinking about how we see it in stories on TV or in what we watch in movies, you know, um, Maybe, maybe, when you were, uh, maybe when you were growing up and maybe a, much, a, a little bit longer ago when, when TVs and movies were a newer thing, how many of you watch an older movie and you just think, like, an older movie is just so much more simple? Like, it's just, it might be in black and white, but literally sometimes the movie is just black and white. Like, there's just, like, older movies just have a script that is basically like it's the good people versus the bad people, right? And, and, and like... People were just either good or they were really bad and trashy, and you were you were you were one way or the other, and like uh, it, like you didn't they didn't show much many problems on TV, and then we see kind of as as television and movies evolve that uh, it, it really starts to reflect the life of 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 your average life in America, and things start to change and. Uh, and, and honestly, that's, that's, that's really what happened, is movies evolved because we evolved as, as humans, because things started to change in our lives. And maybe it was a leader that lied to us, or maybe there were some things, I mean, there were several things in our country that went just so wrong, or just didn't go the right way. And all of a sudden, we, we found some mistrust with some people in authority, and people that we thought we respected, but then they did something bad. And you know, honestly, when you think about our culture today, there is almost not there's not a single person that you can name that you can say, well, that person is a good person. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to even name a good person because just about everyone you bring up nowadays, it's like, well, did you know that 25 years ago they were mean and they said this or they posted this on Twitter 10 years ago and I found it? You know what, I, you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's just where we are today. 
in our culture. And everyone basically has dirt on everyone. And I was literally thinking about it this week. I was like, is there anyone in our culture that is like completely pure? And one name came to mind. And the first name that I thought of was it would have to be Mr. Rogers, right? I mean, like, like someone like Mr. Rogers. And in fact, I preached a message about Mr. Rogers and at the movies. And if you missed it, I'm sorry, but it was probably the greatest at the movies message ever. And uh, this Mr. Rogers movie, I tell you, even after I preached Mr. Rogers, there are people that came up to me afterwards and like, well, Mr. Rogers wasn't even that great. You know, and I'm like, then who is? You know, like if Mr. Rogers can't keep it all together, like, like who is? And, and honestly, this is the culture we live in. Everyone complains about everyone. But we say, well, it, it didn't used to be that way. There was just good guys and bad guys. What, what happened? Why did things change? Well, honestly, so many of the reason that it changed is because we realized that all of that was just a facade. That people actually do have problems and people actually have issues. And so many times there was actually some abuse and, 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 and there was actually a lot of junk going on behind the scenes and we were just good at at keeping a face in front of it, and we just didn't like to acknowledge it publicly. But nowadays, in movies, we have things like the anti-hero, meaning that we have this hero, but he also has some flaws to him, or he or she has some flaws to him. And now the good guy isn't always good. The good guy has some good things, and he does some good things, but also he's not completely good in the same way with bad guys. Bad guys aren't completely bad because they also do some good things, it kind of pulls on our heart. And instead of just looking at things black and white, we have this mixture of a little bit of everything, and we're trying to find where the moral line is. And today we have shows that literally show us that every single day. I mean, there's literally a show called This Is Us, which just basically, the title alone, I brought you that show because I thought the title alone tells you what it is. Like, this is it. Like, this is us. This is all we have to, like, it's not getting any better. And that's kind of where we are as a country. We've kind of settled for this is it. This is it. And that's because life has a way of knocking down our expectations. Life has a way of quite literally killing our dreams and lowering our expectations. And I tell you all of that because that's where the church, that's where the early church was. The early church had high expectations. They were, they were excited and they wanted to see God move and do some great things. They believed that he would do some great things. But then stuff just got in the way. They grew up a little bit. Things started to happen. And so you say, well, what do they do? What happens? Well, we read again. Oh, I don't. Oh, hold on just a second. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. That's what I'm looking for. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And so what happens here when, they lower, when the expectations are lowered? Well, they earnestly keep praying to God. They don't stop what they're doing. They don't, they, they don't, they're like, oh, no, 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 God, I don't know what to do. No, they, they keep on mission. They know what they're, they're like, way to go, church. Like, keep going. They're all gathered up. They're praying. They're seeking God. They keep their passion. And I want to tell you tonight, when life doesn't make sense, don't lose your passion. 
Like when things don't work out the way, they, like we all have expectations of how they should work out. And when they don't work out the way you want them to work out, don't lose your passion. Because life is going to kick you in the rear sometimes. It's going to. And it's so easy for the enemy to literally try to steal our passion in that very moment. But you have a choice. Do you keep praying? Do you keep going? Do you keep the passion up? Or it's so easy right then to just call it quits and to lose your passion. So you say, well, Pastor Noah, what happens in the story? Well, as you read through the story, you actually find out that because they prayed, because they kept their passion, God literally answers their prayer. An angel goes to the prison and gets Peter out of prison. And Peter literally thinks that this is a dream that's happening. Peter literally thinks he's in a dream because the chains fall off of him, the doors fling open, and he walks out of the prison. And when Peter finally kind of wises up and realizes that it's not just a dream, he, he, this, is what, this, this, this is what's recorded in Acts chapter 12. It says this, it says, when this had dawned on him, when he realized that, oh man, this is so much more than a dream, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and they were praying. And look at what happens next. Peter knocks on the outer door of the entrance and this servant girl comes up and answers the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and she ran back without opening the door and explained, Peter's at the door. It is like the classic movie, right? Like you open the door, you see someone you don't expect and you slam it shut on them. Peter's here, right? Like, I'm so excited. That's how excited she was. So can you imagine Peter getting out of jail? Hi, and then the door slammed, boom. And you know, like, the door slammed shut. And this, this girl goes, Peter's here, Peter's here. And you say, well, how, how does a faith-filled church respond to something? They've been in there praying this entire time. Peter. You've been, like, how, how would a church respond when the thing that they've been praying for is literally at the front door? How do they respond? Well, you know how they respond? <laughs> Have you lost your mind? You know, like, and literally, they don't even believe it. They tell this girl, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're literally out of your mind. And then when, they, 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 when she kept insisting, she had to say, no, guys, please believe me. It's just right over there, right? Like when she kept insisting, they said, well, it just must be an angel, <laughs> right? And they just, just, the very thing that they're praying for, they're, they're gathered not to have a potluck, everyone. Like they're having, like they're, they are praying that Peter would be released from prison. The very thing that they prayed for, it has happened, and yet they don't believe it. <laughs> they don't even believe it. Where is their expectation level? And here's the warning passion without faith is pointless. And so, church, I just want to tell you. That I, I know I preached a passionate, passionate message on Sunday. I told you, we, we got to have passion. And we do. we got to have passion. It is something that distinguishes us. But can I tell you, if we go into this next year just passionate about things and without any faith or expectancy for God to move, then why are we even trying? There's no point. 
Our passion is pointless. And I'm just telling you, like you can read scripture passionately, but you gotta believe what you're reading. You, we, we can sing these songs passionately, but when you just stand there and sing them passionately and you don't believe the words on the screen, you don't believe anything that you're singing, then why are we even singing? I just tell you, passion without faith is pointless. And that's what we see here. They're, they're literally praying, oh God, release Peter. But do they even really believe that God will act? Do they even really believe? Like they tell the girl, you're being unreasonable. Can I tell you, it is, some of you, you walked in this room tonight and you're saying, you'll talk passionately about something, but then you'll say it's unreasonable. Some of you came in and you feel like it's unreasonable that your finances, that God can move in your finances. Some of you came in this room tonight and you're saying it's unreasonable that my marriage could be healed, that my relationships could be healed. It's unreasonable for you to say, Pastor Noah, that I could ever talk to my child that, that, has been, that has been long gone and distant from me for years. You, it's unreasonable for you to believe that anything could be different. Can I tell you, I see people every day, every day I see people who will talk passionately about something and they, they're, they're, they're passionate about their marriage and they're passionate about their families to get back together and they're passionate that their finances will be different. But yet, even though they have all this passion, at the end of the day, they don't even believe that it could happen. When you truly ask them, well, do you have the faith to know? Do you have the faith that your marriage is gonna get better? Your finances are gonna get better? It's like, well, I don't know how that could ever even happen. You know, like they're passionate about it, but they don't have the faith. And they feel like it's unreasonable to even believe that. And that's what we tell ourselves. And that's the culture we live in. Don't expect anything. We literally live in this culture that like, like don't set any big goals in life. Like lower your expectations so that you don't get disappointed. We don't want to disappoint anyone. And let me just ask you this question tonight. Who's really being unreasonable in this circumstance? Meaning who's not thinking? Who's not really reasoning here? Because we just so happen to be a group of people that believe in a God who just spoke and the universe came into existence. Like we believe in a God who formed literally the hills and the valleys. Or at least we say we do. At least we sing about it. We believe in a God who literally parted the Red Sea, who raised the lame to walk, who opened blind eyes, who opened deaf ears, who raised, literally raised people from the dead. We believe in that God. But wait, we, we say we believe in that God, yet we think that it's unreasonable for him to move in our lives. And I'm just asking, I'm just, I'm just wondering, is it really unreasonable? I think it's unreasonable not to expect God to intervene. Like it's unreasonable for us to sit here tonight and sing songs about how great and mighty our God is and then go home and not even expect him to move or do anything. And listen, if you don't believe God could act, then why do you even believe in him at all? Because if you... If you believe that God created everything that you can see, then why wouldn't he want to work in your situation? Why wouldn't he want to heal you? Why wouldn't he want to set you free? Like it, we, we're not being unreasonable to expect those things. In, in fact, Tim Keller says it like this. We modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order. But Jesus literally meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. That, 
We're literally supposed to act out of miracles. <laughs> we're supposed to, that's what we're supposed to expect. And to expect something else, I just, if God is who he says he is, then we should expect a miracle. Then we should expect him to move in our lives. It's in his job description. Literally, Psalm 77 says it like this. You are the God who performs miracles. It's who you are. Like it's who, it's who we believe in. You display your power among all the peoples. And I'm just telling you, as we, as we step into this new season of ministry as a church, and as we look to the future of what God has for us and what God holds for us here at City Hope, I, I, I'm just telling you, we should be walking into this next season, not just, our passion's a great thing, and we're going to talk about passion all year, but not just with passion, but also the expectancy that God is going to move, that he's going to do something for us. So I'm going to invite the, the band to come back, and we're, we're, going to, we're going to close this night out with worship, but church, I'm just, I, I, just, I just want to ask you, I preach to you all night, but I just want to ask you tonight, or let, let me just say it like this. We can't do things on our own. And I recognize that as your pastor, that we, we cannot do things by our own power. But we need a miracle working God. And can I just tell you that over the next year, we're not just trying to build a big church. Like, that's not the goal. A big church is not a big deal. I'm sorry, but I, it, it's not a big deal. But a church that reaches the hurting and a church that reaches the broken, and a church that expects miracles, that comes every Sunday with this passion and with the faith to expect something to happen, that's the type of church that I want to pastor. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying, yeah, you can clap, that's awesome. You got the passion part, let's do it. And I'm just telling you, I, I, and, I'm, and, and I'm not also, I'm not saying that we don't want a big church, because the church should grow. Like naturally, because we're reaching the lost, because we're reaching the hurting, because we're reaching the broken, the church should grow. And I'm just telling you, like our goal this year is not just to build a big church. Our goal is to literally think, what if, I mean, I literally wrote this down a couple days ago. I literally said, what if we could do something about the hurting people in our area? What if we could break the cycle of poverty in Murfreesboro? Like what if our church could be a river of life that flows through the region of Southern Illinois where people come to, the, like, where, where, the, where the weary could just come and lay down and rest and their burdens could be lifted off of them, where the thirsty could come and drink, where the prisoners could be set free. What if we could be that type of church? I'm telling, I, I told you on Sunday, we didn't start a church just so that there can be another church in Murfreesboro, because if that was why we started it, it was absolutely pointless. We shouldn't have ever started it. But can I tell you, we started this church to be something different, to be the place where the weary can't come and find rest, where the broken can find healing. And can I tell you, our goal is not to just collect as many people as we can in one room. I'm telling you, our goal is to send out as many people as we can, to send out as many as we can from this room to make a dent in the kingdom of darkness. We are mobilizing the church. We're mobilizing the body of Christ. And Jesus literally says, 
I've, I gave you the scripture. Is that, is that scripture? It's not on the slide. All right. It literally says, Jesus said, on, uh, Jesus said on Sunday. He says it all the time in scripture, but I had a slide for you on Sunday. He says this, I will build my church. Remember I told you, it's my church. It's something that he's passionate about. It's personal to him, but I didn't take it to the next level. And y'all want the next level because you came to Wednesday night. The rest of that verse says, Jesus says, I will build my church, but the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when you really think about that verse, who has gates in this verse? (laughs) It's hell, everyone. Why do they have gates? Who's trying to keep who out? Like hell literally has gates because we're stepping into the darkness. We're stepping into the broken parts. I'm telling you, we are going to step into the broken parts of our region with the life and the light of Jesus. We are attacking the gates. Hell has to keep the gates up because it's gotta keep us out. And we're, I mean, we're attacking the gates of hell. And we're saying, hey, we're here with Jesus. The only one that can change you, that can heal you, that can set you free, that can do a miracle in your life. Can I tell you, light always beats darkness. Light always beats darkness. I'm just saying to you, you say, well, Noah, that's awesome. But I'm struggling right now. And Pastor Noah, I just don't have the passion. I just don't have the hope. I wanna share with you one last verse. Matthew 16, 18. It was in there. Thank you, Tyler. Romans 4.18. <laughs> that is right. It says this. Against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, who is quite literally called the father of faith, experienced a journey in his life that was not easy. In fact, it was literally says that it was against all hope that he, even, that he went through this. In fact, I wanted to bring you this translation that literally says, after the wreck of many hopes. And I bring this to you because maybe that's where you're at. You've experienced like your life is a wreck and you don't even know what to do. And you're totally hopeless, your hopes are wrecked, your finances are wrecked, your relationships are wrecked, your job just feels like it's totaled, you know, like I just, I don't even wanna go back to work. Literally, it says, after the wreck of many hopes, Abraham hoped again. And my call for you today is I don't know what you've been through, but I dare, I said, I double dog dare some of y'all, y'all laughed, it was great. I double dog dare some of y'all to hope again, to dream big, to see what an infinite God could do. And what I wanted to do to close tonight is I just wanna ask you one question. I want you to think about this for just a moment and then I'm gonna give you the opportunity to respond. And so I'm I'm gonna give you the question and then I want you to respond. Many of you, you're gonna respond in, a, in many different ways. Some of you, you're gonna respond. And after I show you this question, you're gonna want somebody to pray with you over this question. 
And so what I wanna do right now is I'm gonna invite our prayer partners to go ahead and come forward. And we're just gonna fill the front. And we're just gonna, we, we just invite you that if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. If your hopes are down, we'd love to get the opportunity to pray for you. And that's gonna be available for you. Some of you, your response is just going to literally be to worship, to just lift your hands, to just give your God your all. Some of y'all might weep or cry. I don't know what it's gonna be. But can I tell you, I want you to look at this question and then I want us to respond. I'll give you a moment here. Here's the question. What could an infinite God do? And will you make it personal? What could he do in your life? In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd literally just write it out. What am I believing God to do? Because church, I'm telling you, I, I'm excited about this next year that we are as a church. But in order to go in this next year, I need you to go in not just with passion, but that passion mixed with faith so that we see God do something. But in order for you to kind of gain that faith, sometimes it takes a personal response. Sometimes it takes you believing not just for, it's easy to, it's easy to pray for your friend. It's easy to pray for your coworkers or somebody that it's not your situation, but it's so much harder to pray for yourself. It's so much harder to believe God for something that you need. And so what is it tonight? That if God moved in your life, what would he do right now? Would he restore relationship? Would he heal your marriage? Would he physically heal your body? Would, would he give you a better job situation or a better financial situation? And what I want you to do tonight is just, some of y'all just need to make a list, like a birthday list. You want to, like, like what I talked about earlier. You just need to make a list to God. And you're not just sending it out to anyone. <laughs> you're, not just, you're not just laying it around here saying, well, I hope somebody finds this. No, you're giving it to your heavenly father who loves you and who cares about you. And how many of y'all know that when I, when, I, when I left out my list, I got everything on my list, everybody. Like I, I got it. You know why? Because I have a father who loves me. I have a dad who cares about me. And can I just tell you, you have a heavenly father who loves you and who cares for you so much more. And as we worship and as we respond tonight, what I want you to do is I just want you to write it down and see what God could do. You got it wrote down. You got it in your mind. Let's pray over it right now. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you right now that you're going to turn situations around. That Lord, you're gonna do something in this room tonight. Lord, we, are, we come tonight with faith and expectancy that you are going to move. Lord, we say that you're the God of miracles, that you're the God, you hold our life in your hands, Lord. And so Lord, would you move on us tonight? Lord, would you make us new? Lord, would you build our faith? Father, I pray that we would be a church, that our faith would be built, that we would not just be passionate, but Lord, but that our faith would, that we would be able to respond in faith, Lord. And so Lord, I pray that we wouldn't, when the miracle comes knocking at the door, that Lord, we wouldn't slam the door in its face, but Lord, we would open it up.
and we would rejoice that it's here and that we would have the faith to know that Lord you are good and that you are faithful and that you always provide and so Lord we love you and Lord we worship you and Lord we believe that you're the miracle working all powerful infinite God and God you are worthy of our worship and you're worthy of our praise and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus everyone said Amen.